Hi, my name is Van, and you're listening to my daddy's podcast, The Morgan You Know. I uh, love the show, and you should check out my buddy Rod Morgan's pod, The Morgan You Know, as I'm confident he's primed to make some waves on the scene. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Morgan You Know podcast. I'm your host, Rod Morgan, and it feels good to say those words. It has been a while since we have chopped it up, pop culture, Morgan, you know, podcast style. This podcast is always produced by James Jamriska, like every podcast on the Morgan, you know, podcast network. Normally, I am joined by my co-host in life and my normal lovely co-host is the Mrs. Morgan, you know, Kate Morgan, but she is not with me tonight. We have a special podcast for you instead. I have three friends joining me to chop it up and discuss the Fast and Furious universe because 20 years ago this summer, back in 2001, director Rob Cohen licensed the name of an old B movie called The Fast and the Furious from Roger Corman and released upon us the story of some low-level DVD player thieves who were into illegal street racing that was for some reason being investigated by the Los Angeles police. That was the first Fast and the Furious movie. 20 years later, we have had nine other movies, eight other Fast and the Furious movies, plus a spinoff to celebrate all that is the Dom Toretto and family universe. We are joined by a Morgan, you know, staple. You hear him quite often on Balls and Brew. He has appeared on the Morgan, you know, a few times as well. He is joining us from North Carolina. He is my man, Chris King. Chris, hello. Hello, Internet. Hey, Rod. How's it going? Well, Chris, if you were in an international crew, much like the one we were about to talk about, what would your skill set and job be? So that's tough. I think I would end up being somebody that is in charge of building shit. Whether not so much the tech guy or the computer guy, but I would be the builder, the engineer, the craftsman. Demolitions, maybe. I, I could, I can blow some stuff up. Okay, I like that. All right. Also joining us, a Morgan, you know, Hall of Famer. He comes on to talk about the Cubs quite often and shows his brilliance there. But he is also on from time to time talking about fun things like Major League, the movie, once in a while back. And he's on again because we talked about it last time he was on with the Cubs, and I told him he could never come on and talk about the Cubs again. No, not never, but someday again. But he's here, Mr. Evan Altman. Evan, hello. How you doing, Rod? I'm uh, I'm glad to be here talking about something a little bit different. Exactly. So I'm going to pose you the same question I just posed to Mr. King. You're in an international crew, much like the one we were about to discuss. Your job and skill set is what, Mr. Altman? I, I would absolutely be the Roman Pierce of the group. I, I, I Kind of the face man who does not want to do any of the stunts that they're doing and just ends up getting uh, roped into it and then somehow lucking out and, and remaining uh, not riddled with bullets. So I'm, uh, I'd am i be the scared guy. Nice. But you also, I like how you said the face man there because you're, you're definitely going to be the one who has to go into, let's say, the police station and try to BS his way into figuring out where they need to set up the surveillance cameras, all the different times that Roman shows up and has to act like he's somebody else and basically just smooth talk. You're, you're certainly signing up for that too, right? Yeah, a- absolutely. I think that that is my uh, my expertise there lies in, in just uh, being able to kind of talk my way around things. And then, uh, you know, I'm the guy that doesn't want to parachute out of the airplane in my car. I completely join you in that sentiment. And speaking of a smooth talker, one of the smooth talkers I've ever known since I met him back in my high school days. He's been on to talk fun things with us before, like the Bash Brothers special on Netflix. He's Mr. Jeff Van Vactor. Jeff, hello. All right. We will be joined by Mr. Van Vactor possibly in the future, depending on how our technical issues go. Listen, we record these things live on the internet, and as Mr. Altman knows, as a purveyor of the internet, things can go crazy on the internet sometimes, can't they, Evan? Yeah, that uh, that has a tendency to happen sometimes. So, uh, you know, it's um, I record a live video show. It's, it's really a lot of fun, and we make fun of ourselves a lot for it. So you never know what's going to happen. Totally understand. All right. Well, we'll see if Mr. Van Vactor can join us again, but Mr. King and Mr. Altman are still here. So I want to, I want to start with this. So Evan, if I, if I come to you and I say the fast and the furious universe, what's the first thing that pops in your head? How do you, how do you even begin to describe where we're at these days? Oh my goodness. Um, 
I, I, I don't know what else to even compare it to, but as I was going through and, and kind of making out my list and, and looking back through some of these things, I, I think of one of these, it, it's sort of like, um, gosh, I don't, I, it, it's like if you have the, the small town, um, right. That's like right outside of a city that used to be kind of this tiny little place that nobody lived in. And then everybody started moving out of the city and into the town. And then it just blew up and got huge. And, uh, you know, now there's just all kinds of traffic and, and every single store you could ever want when it, it sort of just started out as this quaint little fun town. And now it's just this booming metropolis that, uh, that everyone wants to come and see, except, um, you know, uh, fast and furious is, is a lot more fun, I guess. And, and you get to watch other people driving around instead of being stuck in traffic, but just in terms of being kind of this, uh, chill little street racing movie that then eventually became this, uh, international espionage and and lord knows what else with these crazy stunts and and flying in outer space uh it's just it's kind of fun to have followed along and just you turn off your brain for a couple hours that's what i love about it so um it's it just it's awesome but in uh in the cheesiest worst way for some people i totally get how people hate it but i love it i think we are grace again with mr van vactor back with us jeff Say hello. Let's make sure you're with us. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Can you hear me, Rod? We can hear you. You are back. That is wonderful to hear. Jeff, let's start real quick with uh, what would you be in the international crew? Let's get that out of the way, and then we can we can move forward. Well, yeah, sorry sorry to take a little bit of a rewind, guys, on the questions. But, uh, no, what I would uh, probably do, and uh, it's what we'll probably uncover today in the Fast and the Furious universe is – I don't know if I really have the skill sets to be the tech guy, but as the series has proven to us, um, you can go from one focus to uh, a completely different one overnight. So I, I, I think that <laughs> I think the tech approach could definitely be in my forte. I don't know if I maybe maybe some night classes here and there can definitely get me into the uh, driver's seat to to be that uh, that expert hacker that uh, we've been uh, seeing ludicrous pull out in the uh, the entire universe. I like that. It does always seem a little safer in front of those screens and off in the trailer and whatnot, doesn't it? So, Mr. King, let's go to uh, your your thoughts when the Fast and the Furious comes up and and you tell somebody that you like these these set of movies and they say to you, "What's the deal? Why do you like those? What what what, what do you say?" It's about family. <laughs> it's about family of superheroes, possibly immortal. They can't die. Superheroes, family. All right. Listen, it doesn't get any more simple than that. I think that's a great summation of what we have in Universal's Fast and the Furious franchise. We're going to take a little break right here and have possibly a little supercut of some Fast and Furious moments. And on the other side, I got some series of questions so that we can celebrate this movie and perhaps figure out once and for all which one is actually the best. Stick around. If you're not the good guy pretending to be a bad guy maybe you're the bad guy pretending to be the good guy that could have been my forehead man nah that's not as big as your forehead all right we are back i am going to make an admission here as part of our first question i saw the first fast and the furious movie back in 2001 in theaters was all in i was just like okay it happened to be a time in my life where i was seeing every movie that came out in the summer almost anywise but i was like a bunch of cars car chases are probably happening undercover cops all right i'm in i skipped two and three and then became extremely excited in 2009 when they essentially rebooted the franchise and ran back number one with a couple of little different variations. Mr. Altman, are you a completist or do you follow a similar path to me there? Uh, you almost word for word described where I came in uh, with it. I saw so interesting story, right? I was uh, my aunt lives in Honolulu and I was visiting her uh, when this movie came out. And there's kind of an underground street racing culture there. And the one thing I remember is like cops across Hawaii were on high alert when this movie came out because we're like, oh, no, it's going to it's going to rile up the, you know, the the street racing community. It was it was like a like the reefer madness, you know, of like, like oh, what's going to happen? Or and like there, the program. Actually, remember, they had to cut that part out of the program because they worried kids were going to hang out on the highway. Yeah, exactly. It was like, yeah, Joe Kane sitting out there in the middle reading his Sports Illustrated. Um 
but yeah, so I but I I thought the second one looked so terrible. I didn't catch up. I think I've seen it once. Vin Diesel wanted no part of it. If Vin right. Diesel wanted no part of it, why would I? Right. It is like if if dude, if Dom Toretto's not in it, the, is it even a movie? Um, but but I love how they basically rebooted Roman Pierce throughout the whole thing. So right. you know he comes in there, it's like he's a totally different person now. Um, definitely at the time, I did not see Tokyo Drift initially. However, I have come around on that. We'll discuss that later. Um, but yeah, same same with you from four and then on. It was just uh, you know it's it's basically like you get drunk, you're hungover, you're like, what did I do? What are these movies? What is even happening here? And then, um, you know, the very next Friday, you're right back at it and uh, and, and back <laughs> drinking heavily yet again. So I'm I'm hooked on it, man. Mr. Bay Vector, how about you? Are you are you someone who do you dip in and out of the franchise? Have you been, uh, you know, you're, you're there and loyal the opening weekend? How, how, how have you taken your Dom Toretto and family over so, the Ron, years? I was kind of like you uh, early to the draw back in 2001. Um, this was a phenomenal movie to kick it off and then i'll be honest with you after after two and three three actually took me out of the series for a hot sec and i think it was because of the fact that yeah in uh two dom wasn't even part of the story three they well well i mean whatever whatever timeline you want to actually go off of from tokyo drift then it kind of just went off the rails for me so i'll be candid with you it took me until about five to jump back in and then it was a little bit hit or miss since then but from seven eight and then nine which i just recently saw i mean i i think the suspension of disbelief definitely needed to come in play so if you took a big pause from maybe like one to five it would be a completely different universe uh that you were, would be accustomed to so i think the 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 slow drip to this becoming that you know guys just racing you know got to get that 10 second car to international espionage if, if you if you weren't along for the entire ride, it would feel like a slap in the face. But I think you need those gentle nudges along the way. So um, I don't want to say that I've been loyal since uh, since two, three, but uh, I've definitely enjoyed becoming more accustomed to uh, even going back and, and viewing four and five. It was it was a treat, actually, to kind of get some of those earlier, earlier backstories that now are kind of kind of playing out now. So it's been uh, it's been a good ride and I'm looking forward already to. Uh, Parts 10, 1 and part 10, 2, but that's not going to be coming out till 2023. So we got, we got a little bit of time on our, on our side right now. We most certainly do. So yeah, uh, Mr. King, let me, if Dom Toretto had a business card right now, what do you think would be on said business card? Triple X. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a whole different franchise. <laughs> it's, it's almost the same person, though. At this point, I mean, really, if, if after Fast Nine, oh, yeah, he puts Triple X on there. Yeah, that's what he does because he is now. And, and, okay, so let me put this out there too. I have not seen Fast Nine yet. Okay, um, well, we're gonna spoil the heck out of it. So that's I'm sorry that's fine. That's fine. It's already been mostly spoiled, and I've. I always watch these movies when they come out to video, like, or they're able to be rented. I've, I've never seen any of them in the Come out the to theaters. video when they're able to be rented. You clearly <laughs> just told everybody how old you are, but God bless you. Um, but I didn't become a true fan till Fast Five. And really, since Fast Five... That's going to be a popular sentiment. That's going to be a popular sentiment. We're going we're gonna to devote many minutes to Fast Five. Mr. Allman, yeah. let me ask you this. Could it be... Could it be, if you look at it in a certain light, could Dom Toretto almost be somewhat of an arms dealer? Other than the fact that he doesn't really sell arms, but everything else that he does, anytime you see an arms dealer on film, that's exactly what Dom Toretto has going for him. Well, I mean, he's always wearing a sleeveless shirt, so he's always showing <laughs> off the guns, um, right? But but I was going to say, you know, if he had a business card, he's he's an international man of gasoline. That was what, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I kind of I kind of like to play because now we brought in the the triple X you know, kind of uh, uh, X Games uh, spy man, you know, again, this is this is two different characters he played who have uh, gone heavy on the stunts in, in service of their country and uh, and maybe a little bit of money, except that Dom Toretto doesn't have the horrible <laughs> fake tattoos. That's the only difference. I like where you went there with international gasoline there. My, my business card says international retrieval expert, right? Because let's just be honest here. The 
plot of like seven and eight and again nine. We're just dealing completely with MacGuffins that somebody for one reason or another has to ask Dom and his crew to find the MacGuffin to save the world, right? I mean, we're dealing with basic boilerplate MacGuffin stuff here, aren't we, Mr. Really, in number six, too. Well, sure. Oh, sure. yeah. No, I mean, like, and, and granted, I think I'm I'm along the international route. I did go the old Austin Powers, you know, international man of mystery uh, business card. Okay. Um, he does seem to know people in every country, right? Wherever they land and whatever they need, Dom seems to know how to do a street race there first off, and then how to get any other supply they need off. Of I that think that's the race. entry point. If if that if if the Fast and the Furious sagas taught me anything, I need to I need to you know hone into my street racing abilities, <laughs> and then I mean that's going to be my entry point to everything. So um, no, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely from the uh, yeah, just trying trying to just get that quarter mile. One quarter mile at a time to, uh, I mean, literally bouncing around the world. I mean, you know, and really, this is a suspension of disbelief here, gentlemen. Either the man is a time traveler or they have the fastest planes known to man because the way that they can get around the world as fast as they can, it's that, I mean, maybe maybe it's mystery men, maybe magic men. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what, fast planes maybe require really, really extremely long runways and we'll probably get there. But I think a good way to frame this whole entire conversation is just come right out right now, put our cards on the table and go around and talk about which of these 10 movies, because we're including the Hobbs and Shaw movie here because we have to. They say the Fast and the Furious presents, so that makes it an even 10 movies in 20 years that make up this universe. Which is our favorite, and what is it about that one that makes it our favorite? Let's just go around, and that'll help us frame where we need to go for the rest of this conversation. So we'll start with the Hall of Famer, because that's just what happens when you get that status. Mr. Altman, your favorite, and why is it your favorite? I'm going with the original. Um, Ooh, okay. I, I, you know, maybe cherry picking a little bit, but I feel like that's what sets everything up. And, and even like what I talked about, right? It's, it's still the small town that you can go back to. And even though it's been surrounded by all these other big buildings and everything, it's like the Toretto house, right? Where you're sitting around the barbecue and at the end of most of those, where do they end up? They're all sitting back around that same table. Somebody's got to say grace. Somebody's on the grill, you know, you're cracking a Corona. Uh, I would prefer something other than that, but, uh, I get a lot of money out of Corona, but I agree right. with you. Exactly. If, if, if we're getting some product drops, I'll drink whatever you need. Um, but I just, I, that's the easiest one to go to. And even if I don't go back and watch it, that planted all the seeds that then as you're watching some of these and the callbacks and everything else. So I'm going with the original because that's what started it. Okay, I like that. That's a good. That's a good, solid, all-American, just meat and potatoes kind of answer there. I like that. And uh, Mr. King, how about you? Um, by far, my favorite is Fast Five. Thank you. Um, it's it's the first real heist type movie. Um, you get heist type. I don't even think you have to throw type on there, my friend. It's a heist movie. There's a train robbery in that movie, and then there's a straight stealing of something from a police station. That's yeah, a heist movie. Yeah, and not just something but a giant safe out of the playstation um but it also has the full crew and i mean you are tying in together all the movies all the the little timeline things are all getting converged in brazil in fast five and it that whole ensemble cast worked so great together um all the way down to leon santo who i loved shout Um, out Shout yeah. out to our boys. I was going to bring <laughs> right? them up. Look at you getting there first. Yeah, dude, they were great. That movie is fantastic. From like you, you said, you the forgot train wreck. The most important part. You forgot the most important part. We get introduced to one Luke Hobbs, federal agent, played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, covered in cocoa yeah. butter. Come yeah. on now. Now listen, that was a great addition, and he definitely helped. I don't think he definitely helped. I don't Come think on, you're what, selling the listen, most electrifying man in sports listen, entertainment short here. Chris. Listen, listen, all I'm trying to say is fast five would probably still be my favorite movie in the series. Even if the rock wasn't in it. Wow. Nope. You're done for a second. Let's move on to Mr. Van Vactor real quick. Cause he might agree with us here that we can further discussion. We were warned earlier that Mr. Van Vactor's internet was a little spotty and I think he was about to switch us away from fast five. So that's fine. Let's, let's go to Mr. Altman on this. Mr. Altman, what would you put at number two? Cause I have a feeling you might be having what we're talking about right now at your number two. Yeah. So, uh, I knew where everybody was going to go with it and fast five is my number two because that's where we then see the distinct break 
from the the pattern that had been established and, and kind of more simple street racing stuff to the absurd. Right. It was always a little bit, you're like, okay, the street racing thing, I don't really think you can get away with this. But Fast Five took it to an entirely new level. And then again, when you've got Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? The only thing it's missing is him. He didn't rock bottom anybody in this one like he did in the rundown, right? Right. That was because that, that, the opening of the rundown is like my favorite part because he rock bottoms a dude uh, right to the floor. I was like, this is great. This is what the rock should be doing. And um, I guarantee you, listen, I'm learning a little bit more about the wrestling business. As I go along doing this wrestling pod. I guarantee you, Vince said that had to be in the contract. And that was the only way he was willing oh, yeah. to let him in that movie. I guarantee oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I just, I'm just amazed he didn't give anybody the people's elbow, right? right? Like, why didn't he just pull pad? off the armband and just throw, throw it at somebody and knock him out with that? That would have been even better. But uh, yeah, pulling the safe through the streets, uh, just be the, the part when, uh, when, when Hobbs is coming at him, right? And then he's got his crew there and all the, all the people. And then, all of a sudden, Dom just makes a movement, and every single person from the street racing community pulls a gun. Yeah. The rest of the cops, he goes, this is Brazil. You know, and I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, so you literally know everyone within five seconds of being in country. Uh, and so enough to, like, shut down the the armed militia cops. So Let's, let's be uh, honest, though. so fun. Dom probably is known internationally in this universe because he is the creator of Car Wars, which is huge. And probably brings a whole lot of international flavor to that car race, essentially. So I think that Dom probably it's, it's is race wars, race, race wars. wars. That's what it we is. Got, which, which I was like, man, that's kind of a. That's the, <laughs> I don't know if you can keep using that one anymore. You know, <laughs> Notice they don't bring it up much anymore. Maybe he changed it to car wars after the time. You know, uh, if George Lucas allowed him, that might be a little too close to the trademark. I don't know. Right, and so, and then when you see later on in the films when Letty comes back to Race Wars and everyone knows her and is psyched to see her, like they are probably pretty well known, uh, internationally especially, especially when it comes to Central and South America. Well, clearly, clearly, I mean they've they've been on the run down there many different times, but let's not forget another part that I think makes Fast Five so great and something that the Fast Universe I think lacks actually every once in a while is you have a great scene chewing villain in Fast Five in Reyes, right? I mean he's just he's he's just complete evil, right? He's just all out for exploiting people and making all of the money, and he has all of the dirty cops, and like he's just a complete great villain in Fast Five, and you really need that. And then The Rock is essentially a villain in that as well, because of course we can't have Dom Toretto getting captured. I'm going to have to disagree with you on Reyes being a great villain. I thought he, I think he's on the low end of villains in the Fast Five universe. Wow. All right. Hot take. Okay. Mr. Altman, what do you think about Reyes? Um, I mean, he's, he's easy to hate. I, I did feel like I, I know he does chew a little bit of the scenery and, and I I'm with you on that one. Although I felt like he's a little one dimensional in that regard. It's like, okay, here's a super bad guy. Like with most of the rest of them, there's, I feel like there's more dimension to it. Like, okay, okay. he just wants a bunch of money and he's exploiting the workers, uh, you know, who are packaging up the drugs and whatnot. All right. We've seen this guy before. Uh, I, I kind of like when they get into somebody who's maybe a little bit more complicated. Okay. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. So then let's move on to some of our favorite villains then, because after Reyes, we moved on to the Shaw family, right? We got involved with the Shaw family in Fast 6, and then we have Deckard Shaw. I can't... What's the first Shaw guy's name? Owen. Owen Shaw. Owen. Owen. Okay. Yes. Owen Shaw. And then Letty's and his crew. That's, of course, the insanely long runway scene. That's great stuff there in 6. And then we have the entrance of Jason Statham in Fast 7 and Fast 8 as Deckard Shaw. And that's that's sort of my runner-up, maybe, for best villain there. How about uh, how about you, Chris? You said you didn't like Reyes. Who's your favorite villain over the years? Um, my favorite villain is Owen Shaw. Um, okay. I think as far as bad guys go, we know he was pulling the strings for the drug dealer from the fourth movie. Um, we also know that he was under bankroll or he's being bankrolled by Cypher, but like, that's the kind of villain I want. A guy who's essentially a step ahead through most of the movie where he's exactly where he wants to be. He has everybody else exactly where he needs them to be to take advantage of the situation. He is smart. He's intelligent. He knows that he can use Letty to his advantage he already has a guy on the or a girl on the inside. 
he is always just that one step ahead of everybody else. And I see him as more of a villain than I do his brother, Deckard Shaw. I do think Deckard Shaw is kind of an antagonist, especially in number seven. But he's really not the villain so much in seven as much as uh, the one guy is. Uh, oh, why can't I ever pronounce his name? Yeah, I guess that's true. The uh, Jamon Hansu. Yes, yes. Yeah. He's really the villain in seven. I suppose that's true. And then we also, and then Deckard, of course, flips and completely is on their team in eight. And then he's in the Hobbs and Shaw universe, and that spins off from there. So, uh, Mr. Van Vactor, I believe you are back with us. Who's Who's been your favorite villain over the years as we as we talk about a couple of the other movies not named well, Fast as Five? I'm, as I'm uh, in the camp of wanting to be that tech person, but apparently can't figure out the technology on my end. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, Cipher on a on a pedestal. Nice. Um, Why not? Charlie's oh, there. No, Go I mean ahead. yeah, and uh, and granted, I know that there are gonna be some spoiler alerts. Sorry about your luck, Chris, but you know for her to make the presence in uh, in in uh, our next uh, F9, and then uh, I mean she's got so many opportunities um, to round out the the end of this saga. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what she comes into play. But uh, no, she definitely brings uh, brings it in regard to that top top level, you know, international villain, if you will. Uh, the you know, it started off small with the uh, stealing DVDs and VCRs, and and now here we are in a in a slew of things that are so outlandish. But uh, she pulls it together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't hurt when you have an Academy Award winner involved, right? And now we have the the mother of the Shaw clan, Helen Mirren, as well as having fun and playing in the Fast and the Furious universe. But, uh, Mr. Altman, what's your take on uh, on villains? Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, I, I love the Deckard Shaw character, although realistically he's more of a misunderstood guy. And so he goes from villain to, to kind of hero pretty quickly. Yeah, nobody but, stays villain too long in this universe, really. Like you could even tell in Fast 9, you're just, as soon as Cena shows up, you're like, wait a minute, you're not really into this. Yeah, like, well, hold on there, Jacob. And, uh, you know, so that, <laughs> that was that was kind of an interesting, uh, or, or should we call you Peacemaker? But um no, I think I gotta go with Cipher as well. I mean, when you're talking about having that having the repeat appearance, right, and being like when you talk about okay, so if you look at Reyes, like he's evil, but he's like I said, he's kind of the cookie cutter bad guy. Like Cipher just seems like sociopathic and just like a horrible person, but then also really, really cunning. And it feels well, she's like she's definitely a bad person. I mean, her oh, actions in eight. I mean, come on. Oh no, she's horrible. But I'm saying, like, like Reyes seems like he enjoys it. She just seems like she's only doing this evil stuff as a means to an end. And we don't even really know necessarily what that is. Like, she just wants to control everything. It's not just about money or some people just know, want to watch people. the world burn. Right? She's like the Joker. Yeah, I mean, she she is sort of I don't know, but, but yeah, like super super evil, but also like so cold in being like it doesn't feel like she actually gets joy from being evil like a typical you know bad guy would she's just cold and heartless and horrible and so but it, then you look at her you're like oh my god she's so statuesque it's Charlize Theron I can't really hate her that much right I, you know I've had a crush on her for like 30 years now so um, I don't know what do I do I'm, I'm very conflicted as I see her on screen yeah, it's, it's it's fun to see her, and she was part of uh, one of the great action sequences with the uh, with the remote control cars there in Fast and the Furious Eight. And so uh, let's just uh, let's go ahead and let's do the other tough assignment here. Let's let's do our rankings. All right, let's try to between the four of us here kick around. What do we think the rankings should be of these movies? And then let's get into the business of the set pieces, and then we can start to wrap this thing. Because that's ultimately what I think all of us have hinted around at here that we love about these movies is just these big, huge, strange credulity, 20-minute things blowing up, cars being driven, missiles, machine guns. We're going to get into all that. But for me, I think the top three movies are pretty unassailable. Based on some conversations we had before the pod, I think everybody else agrees with me. But let's start at the back end. What do we think is the worst movie out of all ten of these movies, Mr. Altman? Your nomination first. There's, I, there's no. I, this this one is at the bottom, and there's a large gap between it and nine, and it's too fast, too furious for me. Wow, wow. Okay, I do not have the sequel all the way that far down on the list, Mr. King. What do you have at ten? I actually have number four at my ten. 
Wow, I do not. I have four at four, actually. That is, this is interesting. Mr. Van Vactor, what do you Well, and, and this is just because of the fact that it kind of took me out of the franchise initially, and you guys are going to hate me on this, but it was uh, Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift is the one I've got at, the, at the, the bottom of the barrel right now. Okay, so you, you basically are going with the fact that we only have Han tied into this, and then Lucas Black and Bow Wow have showed up a little bit, and then we have Vin Diesel in the credits of Fast and Furious 3, but that's it. So that's kind of why you have it at 10, and I think that's a pretty fair argument, but I wouldn't put it there. Agree to disagree. <laughs> what I, All right. What I, have, what I have at 10 is actually 8. I have number 8 at 10. As much as we love Charlize Theron and just talked an awful lot about how great she is, there's a whole lot else in 8 that I do not like. Like, not, I don't want Dom Toretto as a bad guy, all right? I understand his motivations and reasons for being a bad guy in 8 and that ultimately he wasn't really the bad guy, but this is not – I don't want to see Dom Toretto as the bad guy. I don't want to see kids being used as peril, right? I don't want to see – mom's dying like there's just a lot of bad going on in, in in eight where do you guys have eight let me ask you that question before we move on here um i have eight at number eight okay mr altman how about I've you i've got it at seven at seven Van um, i've I, I will now put uh too fast too furious in uh in the number nine spot you're just going, wow, look at you. You're going, you are going after the sequel, the, the sequel, and then oh, the third movie in the franchise. Oh, yeah. Just putting I'm, them down I'm, I'm at just, the bottom. I'm just beating them up to a T right now. All right. That's what do you guys have two and three at? Let's go there then, since Mr. Van Vactor's brought each of those up. Mr. Altman, what do you have two and three at? Because I, I knew you said that you were kind of moving up a little bit on three, so I'm interested to hear this. Yeah. So, the, so two is, is like dead last. I mean, there's nine movies, and then there's a large gap, and then, and then like another gap. And then Too Fast, Too Furious. That's at the bottom. Uh, rats heating up a bucket and having rats chew on a dude's chest. That was uh, that freaked me out. But I actually have Tokyo Drift in at five. Okay. Um, and, and this is for a couple reasons. So this is one of the first, like, Just Too Fast, Lynn, Too Furious. His first appearance. Yeah. And so I, I, I enjoyed a it. director, be- I mean. Because I watched it, I think, far enough removed. It wasn't in a theater. I, you know, got it on Redbox or something, right, for a dollar. And so to me... That removed a lot of expectations. I thought it was going to suck. Uh, the the kid from uh, you know Home Improvement was on there racing cars early. I was like, oh hey, there's <laughs> there's, there's Brad from Home Improvement. Um, Destroyed you know, that really nice Viper. Oh yeah, that that was that was uh, so that was kind of fun. And then the way over time, the way they've retconned that movie and fit in, like <laughs> they've changed up. Like oh wait. Wait, Dom's here. Oh, you know, that actually didn't take place in the third. That's actually someplace in the future. Oh, yeah, and Han? Yeah, he didn't. Uh, spoiler alert. So just in case, like, uh, which if you've seen the commercials, you know it anyway. <laughs> hey, Han didn't actually die. Right. Oh, look at that. And so the the way they've gone back and played it through, uh, it, it feels like, you know, if you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe and see how they've kind of gone back and changed a couple little things to make the timeline fit. I, I just thoroughly enjoy it because the drifting was a little bit different and it did kind of get back to a little bit of the feel of the first movie in terms of sort of that breakdown and, and really what was going on. So I, I, I actually enjoy that fairly thoroughly. I've got it clocking in at number seven and then I've got the sequel clocking in at number six and then I've got Fast Six at number five. And then I've got four, which I like to call the reboot at four. I'm interested here where you guys have Hobbs and Shaw and the most recent, number nine. Chris, how about you? So I haven't seen number nine, so I put that at number five. Okay. Um, a little high. Then, <laughs> probably a little high. Probably. I do want to see Tej and, and Roman in space. That looks fun. Um However, and then I have Hobbs and Shaw at number four. At four? Wow. Sell me on Hobbs and Shaw because I love me some Rock and some Idris Elba and some Statham, but I got that at nine. There is some some great fight scenes. Uh, I thought the girl who played uh, Hobbs' sister was uh, – or Shaw's sister was fantastic. She's, I thought phenom- it- she's phenomenal. She's been nominated for an Academy Award since. We'll see if she comes back to these action movie franchises now, but Vanessa Kirby is her name. She's fabulous. It had, you know, global implications. Um, it had it had team up. 
I, I think it could have used some more of the ancillary characters from the other Fast films to kind of tie it in a little bit more. Apparently all of them hate The Rock, if you well, read any of, the, yeah, any of the backstage I, stuff. Exactly, and I think that's why it didn't happen. But still, I enjoyed the crap out of that movie. Statham and, and Ben watch, Diesel apparently don't get along either. I will watch Idris Elba in anything he's in, because he's a phenomenal actor. Um, all right. So I thought... But that's a little high, though. That's a little high. Mr. Altman, I mean, come on. Where do you have Hobbs and Shaw? That's a little high, isn't it? Yeah, I've got Hobbs and Shaw coming in an eight, okay. um, a solid eight. Uh, it, it was fun, but again, it, it 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 rings a little hollow when when you don't bring in the rest of the family, right? And and I felt like they tried to recreate that, right? Because where does Luke Hobbs go? Goes back to Samoa, right, to see the family. Yeah. And we so, get Roman Reigns. We right. get the head of the table, the tribal yeah. chief. Yeah, it's uh. So, but I mean, it was it was cool. Um, it it, it missed a little something for me, um, in, in that regard. But I mean, if I if it gives I, us some unbelievable action sequences, though, oh, which we will get to, I promise. Yeah, I mean, there there was some phenomenal stuff that that roped in, but but that felt like as much as we've been talking about these movies kind of being a departure from the original, this one to me felt like too much of a departure stylistically from what the rest of the franchise has been, while also still trying to feed us enough of the 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 conceits if you will or the tropes from the other movies to make us still feel like yeah it was a it was a fast movie so it was so okay. what do you what do you have then so you said you have that at eight and then you had two at ten so what did you have but just just better than two but worse than Hobbs and Shaw I I did not like six Fast and Furious six, six okay is at nine I okay. I was I I'm not uh, yeah there's just something about that one Chris I don't he's going right why. after your villain here and I love it yeah yeah he I, is. I know it's my number two. I'm I'm not. Uh, I I was not a, a big Owen Shaw. Uh, I I didn't dig the whole London thing for whatever reason. I don't know. I was the. It was just a, something was missing for for me on that one, and I think I've only seen it once. Which You're bothered really by weird. the runway, right? Because how long are we supposed to yeah, believe I that think, runway is, dude? That was like that part. I was just like, okay, here we go. Like this is a bit much now. <laughs> how, how long does this plane need? This plane weighs, you know, a hundred thousand pounds and more than that. Obviously, Here's but. the reason why you should love number six. As an American, you should enjoy any movie that shows the British army as being inept. I can't believe you like six. You're telling us that you like the movie that took Gail Godot out of this franchise. Chris, what is wrong with you? That's, that's one reason I like six. There was real, loss and consequence in that movie that's the only character that has died and stayed dead and film to... is a visual medium why yeah, i think that's why i don't like it away from I, me i want to have at least some sort of emotion and feeling in movies no matter how ridiculous they could be listen here's my hot but take. there was take actual mia. loss and take there mia. was a good villain there's my hot take for you take mia you want to lose somebody out of the fast and furious family take mia mr altman what do you think yeah, I mean, might as well. Like, Brian Spilner's gone, right? Brian Earl Spilner, the buster. Uh, you know, may he rest in peace. Paul right, Walker. Shout out Paul Walker. But, uh, but like, if you're going to do that, then, then might as well, again, whether you got to retcon Mia right out of the story, too, because it just doesn't play like, oh, oh she shows back up in nine to help out with this whole thing they got going well, on. All of a sudden, then, everything's great now that like, Mia's here? Come yeah, on. She can't even drive. Like, well, I guess she can drive a little bit, but, like, she hadn't done anything in, in nine previous movies, and now she's going to show up and start doing she something. She did oh, Brian told well, She was pretty integral in, in Dom's prison bus escape. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah, I suppose so. But but she's no, come on, she's no Paul Walker. And, like, oh, yeah, you know, it, it, he's the one, if you recall, uh, if we go back to jumping out of the airplanes, remember he was talking about like I don't feel right unless I'm dodging bullets and all this stuff, and then but and then he's the one that stays home at the end of it. Come on, man! Like that's very at, true. Or at least have like, hey, we're far enough removed from seven and and having to use Paul Walker's literal brothers and and put like his face over theirs uh, digitally or whatever. Like we're far enough removed from that. You could have written something into the story that he did actually die or or whatever. Like. Talking around it was is a little bit weird to me. Um, yeah, it's been a little clunky. I'll admit yeah, that it's been a little just, clunky. Just like write her out of it, and then then you can be like, oh yeah, the two, they died in a, I don't know, you, car accidents a little. That's a little close to home. Uh, I'm not trying to make light of that, but it, uh, find some way to write them out of it. I don't know. Sure, sure. All right, let's go to let's go to the top then, because it sounds like we could just get caught in this morass here. So Evan, I think you're going to have number one at number one. Chris, I'm interested to hear what you have at number one. Oh, it's Fast Five. 
Nice. That's what I have at number one, too. So, Evan, talk us off the ledge. Tell us why one has to be one. Well, I mean, you just uh, your your question is answering a lot of questions that it raises. Uh, it's number one. It uh, it started the franchise. That's that's where we go from it. That's where the roots are. Uh, you know, so I think even if uh, maybe aesthetically or or from an adrenaline perspective, I think Fast Five is the one where we again we clearly see this is where the franchise branched off into what it is now. That's the first one you could point to and say, this was the genesis of kind of the wild. Yeah, because I'm not even going to point stuff. out that the favelas were completely torn apart in Fast Five when we get to action sequences, and that also happened in Fast Five. Yeah, it was it was wild. But I still but I think again, I go back to it, I look at one, that's what establishes the primary trope that we see throughout it with family no, you're right. First. The Toretto house is definitely established there. Coronas, Dom's weird way of holding Coronas is definitely established there. The family and all of that stuff too. So that's that's uh, that's fair. What do we think about number three? Then we can we can go for days around here as to what's going on with Fast Five versus Fast One. What do we think is number three? I hope we all have the same answer here, but it sounds like we probably don't. Chris, what's your number three? Seven. Nice. All right, Mr. Alman, how about you? I got to go with four because of the same reason that four set it back on, on the right path after two and three uh, went astray a bit. So four brings us back and sets up five, which obviously I had ranked higher, but uh, yeah, fast four is three. For okay. Me. And then do you put seven at four then? I do. I have seven okay. at four. All right. So we're all, we're all pretty well agreed then that you're, that you're basically your cream of the crop fast movies except for chris who has six a little higher but we're all we're all basically saying four five six seven maybe are your top five right evan am, am, am i hearing us all right here in some sort of order there well i don't like six so i put six way back so i've got i've got one five four seven as my top four and then i go tokyo drift because I, okay, I really tokyo enjoyed drift. that one i don't like six but uh you know i'm i'm willing to concede uh some of that but but again that personal preference plays a role so if we're talking favorites maybe different from best i basically i gave i give six an awful lot of credit just because there's some great fight sequences in that so i put six at five for me and then i gave the originals a little bit more credit so i put them at six and seven and then i just think eight nine as fun as they are and as some great action sequences they've given us that we'll talk about and Hobbs and shaw great action sequences those are just I mean, you know, I loved your analogy about the city being put together, right? Like, that's just, we, this is our 14th different Starbucks. You know what I mean? This is our third different Trader Joe's at this point. This is our 24th different McDonald's. Like, we are just loaded up with all the tropes and things that have to happen by the time 8 and 9 roll around. But they're they're still an awful lot of fun. So, I think I think that's pretty good on the rankings. Now, let's go to what we like the most about these movies. I asked you guys two questions. Just think about your favorite action set pieces, but then maybe as a separate question, think about the one that we think just there's absolutely no way this could happen. Now that could be said for any and all of them, but I wanted you guys to really try to think critically about the one that really could be the most impossible to pull off. So I believe Mr. Van Vactor is back here with us. And while we have him for a second, let's go to him right here. Mr. Van Vactor, one of your favorite action set pieces across the entire franchise. If I made you pick just one, what would you tell me? Action, well, action set uh, piece, I would have to say, and it's not even jumping the shark anymore. It literally is the sub scene um, that came up that's in eight. what, seven or eight. And that's eight. And so I'd say, I'd say with the amount of action that took place with that, um, I didn't think it was going to get topped and then they, they made a running for it in nine. Um, but as, uh, as outlandish as it was, I I'd say that was one of, one of the earliest set pieces that I, that I, or sorry, the latest set pieces that I thought, and even though we hate it with a passion in the second one, um, I did enjoy the fact when they, when they ramped the yes. car onto the yacht, I have that one down as well. that's, that that actually started that that kind of started that that transition from the the uh, you know kind of that realm of uh, un you know it got us into the realm of unbelievable at that point. It's like how how do you even plan that? I mean Shout the trajectory, Singleton, the timing. That's I mean, being an Academy Award nominated director right there, John Singleton, R.I.P. He was the director I, of Too Fast, Too Furious. Well, I, I think those are great props right there because he had a vision, and I think that vision cast has led us to uh, some great. Uh, some great things since uh, since two. So even though that was kind of uh, 
lower on everybody's list. It was uh, still still set a uh, set a bar that I think everybody's been achieving. You know, movie after nice. movie after Mr. movie. Mr. Allman, let me go to you. When I asked you to start thinking of the different action set pieces over the history of the franchise, I'm sure you just went on a bit of a YouTube sojourn like I did. What'd you come up with as some of your favorites? Oh, man. Uh, so I, I mentioned this earlier, you know, about who, which character I would be. And, and if you look at uh, jumping out of, again, uh, dropping out of the airplane uh, with the parachutes on their cars. <laughs> yes. and And somehow having the ability to pilot them onto this narrow mountain road. That's the part that's never mentioned. People always say the skydiving cars, but they never mention how hard the landing has to be. Right. Like, even They're as a landing person. landing on a mountain. Right. On a, on a narrow a, a mountain road that has one way that you can land. And I love that they're all such different vehicles. Like, that's my other favorite part. Like, this isn't the Italian job, right? right. Speaking of Charlize Theron, where, where you get the same kind of car because you know how it handles. You said, they've just got a, a, all this. And then, and then you know, they're, they're, they're avoiding 50 cal machine guns, multiple 50 cals coming out of the bottom of this armored bus. Uh, that's and, when the and, tank shows up as well, right? Soon after that, doesn't it? The the well the tank was in isn't the tank in six? Isn't That's that right. The, the tank six? is six. See, I, the, See, the different highways in Europe mix me yeah. up sometimes. But but then then to top it all off, once they get all this, and Tony Jaw, I forgot that it was actually even Tony Jaw who oh was fighting goodness. him. So if you watch some of his old movies, right? And then and somehow again, if we're talking about Brian Earl Spilner, the the serial killer, uh, <laughs> beating up Tony Jaw somehow, and then like running up the top of a bus. Oh and my then, god, that's right. And then Letty like like power slides the car around to catch him or whatever and it's just the letty like pulls off some incredible car moves in the yeah, and history, then, the history and then jaymon hansu and the rest of them have have uh dom surrounded and he tells what's her name you know they strap on their helmets and he just drives his car off a cliff and rolls it over like the whole that, that like 20 minute sequence is just balls to the wall the whole time and it's awesome that was only one sequence, but there were like five things in there. All right, I, I take I take back my statement. I, I I'm jumping on the board. Yeah. On that one right there. I that I was that, gonna that say, Mr. Right King, there. that's a great description one there for Mr. Altman. But what's one of your favorites? So this this was a tough question. So I ended up having to break it into groups because I have I, I had to pick my favorite like fist fight scene, and that ended up being the one between Tony Jaw and Paul Walker. I love okay. that fight scene. Um. Then you had to have the best stunt sequence, and my favorite by far is still the bank or the police station vault heist in Fast Five. They just destroy that downtown with that that huge monstrous piece of. Who gets iron. that bill? Honestly, I've asked that question a couple of different times when I've watched that movie with people. Who gets that bill? Who's right? expected to clean up all of that damage? And then, then you got to think about what's the most important one that's ever happened. And that's really in number one when Toretto gets hit by the train. That sets up Toretto as being an immortal, uh, being able wow. to get hit by a train and walk and stand and then drive away in a car. Um, that sets up to me what you should expect in about every movie going forward is that type of power, invincibility. I think that's the most important one. Uh, the most outrageous one. <laughs> well, here, hold is, on. We'll get there in a second. Let me let me shout out a couple here that I don't that I, that I don't that I don't think are those. How about uh, how about the uh, skyscraper to skyscraper jump that happens in Fast Seven yes. as well, right? And then give yeah, me anything that insane. happens. Give me anything that happens with magnets in Fast Nine. Like anytime somebody cranks one of those magnets in Fast Nine, something cool is about to happen. And then the same thing in Eight with the remote control cars that all fall out of the uh, the parking garages. That's insane. Yeah, that's Cypher for you. But now let's go to the one, Chris, that you, that you wanted to start it. So tell us, which one do you think is the most impossible stunt they've ever shown us across any of these movies? Um, Dom launching himself off a car as it hits the embankment <laughs> of a bridge, catching a person in midair. Changing Letty, their, I believe, right? Doesn't yeah, changing their direction after they get flung off the top of another car on the opposite side of a bridge embankment and able to catch mid-air spin over and then land safely on the windshield like he's of a taking car. a bump like he's bringing the undertaker <laughs> or something taking a bump on a windshield of a car right that just disobeyed every type of law of physics gravity momentum that i've ever heard of or seen all right that's a good that's a good uh that's a good nomination mr van vector how about you which one of the action set pieces actually is the most incredible of all of them 
Well, since I get to round it back out since I'm on here and I, I threw out the submarine before, um, I will throw this out here, Chris, and I think this could definitely be how they're going to tie out the entire series. In the first movie, when Dom crashes, what if this whole thing was just a coma-induced, <laughs> like, just vision? <laughs> oh, like a big, and that a big, off big dream, like Dallas? Did Dallas, that soap opera, do that, where it was all just a big dream? Saying uh, elsewhere. Yeah, oh, St. Elsewhere is yeah, the one that was Saint all Hulk. a dream. Dallas had just a character's yeah. death be a dream. So I think I think as 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 rooted in reality as that might be, my kind of uh, the neurons started firing as I started watching the series more in depth, and I'm like, who knows? Maybe this. You is guys all are a just dream, see. You guys are just. State. This is the marvelization of the Fast and the Furious universe that has happened over time, right? <laughs> Where we are, we just we, we we everything is about origin and backstory and powers and all that and so we've just we've taken the fast and furious movies which are just good old-fashioned american globe-trotting james bond kind of fun and now we got to have these guys be superheroes and it just doesn't have to be that but mr allman let's go to you what do you think is the most impossible stunt that they have actually shown us well you already you already teased it which would be racing the supercar between three different towers in dubai or wherever they were that skyscraper where they're just shooting it and like they've got nowhere else to go. So he's just like, oh, screw it. I haven't planned this at all. We just found this car right here and we got the thing. We got the, the chip out of it or whatever for the God's eye. Oh, hey, here's this car. Let's just fire it across. Shout to another out to building. you for remembering God's eye. I never remember yeah. the MacGuffins that they're going for. Shout don't, out to you for remembering. Don't forget, that. before that scene started, we watched Dom lift the car up right. with and no jack it. or anything. Just just lift it up with brute force. And and also, don't forget that Letty beat the hell out of Ronda Rousey. Oh, that right. was another While great. That was, going that, that was on. one of my top fa- favorite fist fights. Too. <laughs> we've, we've, seen, we've seen Charlotte Flair do that, so that's not really. As well, yeah, and, and well, we've, we've seen just about anybody else that Ronda has fought uh, beat her up over the last few years. But uh, there's that one. Although you know, I, I, there were uh, Hobbs. Uh, we talked about this, I think, before Hobbs almost pulling a helicopter out of the air with that's my hands. that's my nomination. Yes. So okay, so I'll, I'll leave it alone for a little bit, but then uh, flying into space. Yes. With the rocket car, I want to. Uh, I want to get there too, as well, because you they, think that that's going to be so cool, and it ends up being more just for fun than it actually is a cool action sequence, isn't it? Right. Not? And I think. I think that was the part that bothered me. It was like, okay, you flew into space, and then it was like, it was like Apollo thirteen, right. except you know, not there. You know, no Kevin Bacon, right? Like that. You could. You're just, always you're, worse you're, for not having Kevin Bacon, right? Like, or at least have somebody with an STD who's got to pee in a hose and give it to somebody else on the on the ship. I don't know. But but yeah, it was just it just felt. Rome, was, Roman it, might have that. Well, that's, that's true. true. Roman probably does. I love that was, that was your go to for Apollo thirteen as well, right? So many other things happen to that movie, and you're just your first callback is that Kevin Bacon's character has an STD. That's a phenomenal. <laughs> oh, all right, but yeah, that's my nomination, right? As much as everyone that listens to this podcast network knows that I love me some wrestling, and so of course I love Dwayne the Rock Johnson, once known as Rocky Maivia, a third-generation WWE superstar, a 13-time WWE champion, shows up as Luke Hobbs, love all of it, but there is absolutely no way, I don't care how much cocoa butter that The Rock puts on his biceps with the tribal tats on it, that he is going to be able to hold a helicopter down from taking off and flying with just his bare hand and a chain while standing. He's not even bracing in the back of the the tow truck that's the part that makes me the most mad at least have him grab a hold of something or somebody else strap him down this man is standing there he could just be thrown off at any point by centripetal force around a curve because not to mention they're at the edge of a volcano and he's still holding the helicopter down with just a chain do you think he watched captain america do that and then went to the producer and be like i need to do this in the next movie it's something. I mean, because Mr. Allman, it's just ridiculous, is it not? I mean, because, like, we have to get other cars fly up around and hook in to be able to hold down the helicopter at one point. But then when all that comes loose, I got this. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I would imagine that, that, you know, somebody tried to write that in there, and then he told them they could take that, turn it sideways, and stick it up their candy ass like a, <laughs> like any other jabroni. But... But I mean, again, and he didn't. But he didn't even have the elbow pads on to do it either, right? Like that. That would have been another one. Take off the elbow pad, throw it at the helicopter pilot, blind him for a second, and then you know it's more believable. But it, it was. It did feel very Captain America e. Like that's the thing I thought of. Like, 
all right, but you're not a but, but I guess he is a superhero, right? Yeah, He's the I rock. Mean, this is the same character that we watch just say, Hey, daddy's gotta go to work and then flex a cast off That's his incredible. arm. I forgot about that. That's in seven, right? <laughs> that wasn't, that, yeah. wasn't, that, that part's awesome. <laughs> Done. But he just he just takes off the what it's a machine gun that was supposed to be was it on a helicopter? Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the drone. Wasn't it the drone? Oh, yeah, or yeah, did he yeah, shoot the drone right. down with it. it? No, after he, no, he, he timed it out the, perfectly to run that yeah, that's that, right. the uh, ambulance right into the drone. So <laughs> And then then he picks up but how why would a drone have a minigun that could actually be hand operated? That's exactly. the part that cracks me up. Like you can't just pick it up and fire it. Not just anyone could do that. That's why he's Luke Hobbs. Evan, that's why he's the best that the US Marshal Service has. One character I want to shout out here real quick that we have actually not mentioned and is probably one of my absolute favorites, and that is uh, Mr. Nobody, Kurt Russell. Love when he shows up. He basically is like the thread that holds together Fast 9, even though he never actually appears. Well, he, he you got to think that he's the opposite of Cypher, essentially, for the good guys. Like, he's the big head honcho. So we're told he could be an international arms dealer himself. Who really knows? Well, he probably does, but he sells arms to the people we want to sell arms to, you know? Uh, But so he's like Cypher's the big baddie on the bad side, pulling all the strings, was behind essentially every other bad guy in the series. Um, Just like Mr. Nobody is essentially... I guess we do find that out. You're right that he's been pulling strings for longer than we think. So that's... That's that kind of leads me to where I wanted to finish up here. So we have more movies coming in this franchise. We now are doing more of an effort to try to tie this canon together, as Mr. King's been talking about along these whole time. I still think these movies are ultimately about fun, and let's just get people involved. I mean, Helen Mirren is in these for crime and sex. So, Mr. Altman, who do you want to see come into the Fast Universe, and what do you picture them doing in said universe? Well, for, first, I want to point out the most worthless character, which is Scott Eastwood as Little Nobody. Yeah. Like, what What was that even? They were like, oh, it's Scott Eastwood. Like, we were they another handsome to, white guy. Let's... Right. Like, yeah, because who doesn't need that in Hollywood? Can't find one of those they somewhere. Needed, they needed a punching bag, and that's essentially what that character was. That is true. Although he did end up helping him get the, uh, he got Roman the Lamborghini, right? But um, Yeah, he has showed back up. That's right. He's been in at least twice. But uh, but I think if we're looking if we're looking at fun, and if we're looking at franchises that started in one direction and just went completely balls to the wall in the opposite direction or in a, in a much more bombastic direction, and there was a rumor that was floated about this, and I don't know whether there was some truth to it about somebody writing a script, but as a crossover between the Fast Universe and the Jurassic World Universe, I need, and there you got your Marvel right there, because now you've got, uh, uh, you know, what's his name? Chris uh, Pratt. Star-Lord, Chris Pratt. And he can be in there. And so now you've brought this stuff all together. So what's better than Dom Toretto chasing down dinosaurs? Give that to me. Wow. Yesterday. I love I'll it. I'll watch now, it. If Chris Pratt comes into the Fast Universe, I think I'd prefer to see him come in as Andy Dwyer, actually. And then he could redo his uh, his, his his cop, Burt Macklin, from uh, from Parks and Recreation. Just have him be that character. That'd be great. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Van Vactor, how about you? Who do you want to see come into the Fast Universe? And uh, as we as we, I think there's three more at least ink to happen. And like you said, they're going to break ten into two parts because why not? Yeah, well, no, and I thought I was going to have to pull an, uh, an audible after Evan was uh, going down a path that I thought he was going to go down, but I would love to see none other than John McClane make a appearance in the Fast Saga universe. And I'll tell you what, if we can bring Die Hard, kind of a, a cross-network, cross kind of cross-functional, um, you know, that to the table, Bruce Willis would be phenomenal. I don't know exactly what role he would fill, uh, per se. Wow. Give me Bruce Willis in the Fast and Furious universe. You just really piqued my interest right there. I'll take Bruce Willis doing about anything. That's phenomenal. Mr. That, King. That feels a little bit expendable-z, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Right? It, it does. But, hey, listen, we, we got to start pulling some. We got we got, we got some desperate threads we got to pull probably here sooner or later, Mr. Altman. Let's just be real. Yeah. So the first thing that's really got to happen is you got to have some sort of justice for han han solo is really my favorite ancillary character out of everybody um i think he's got to get some sort of revenge justice or something versus deckard shaw like they they i know they teased it in f9 but i think you got to have that no matter what but what i would like to see is you got to have 
another one of these characters have an issue where the family has to come together to help them. So I'm imagining Tej having an issue with his father, who just turns out to be Samuel L. Jackson. Nice! And I want to see him in the Fast Universe as some sort of ex-Shaft type MFR. You know what I mean? Okay, I like it. I I went similar there, not Tej, but I went a family tie to Roman. What if Roman has a cousin who is funnier, more sexy, forget about better, the... better at action, and is also somehow involved in international espionage? And what if that person was played by none other than one Will Smith? Huh? What do you think about that? Will Smith in the Fast and Furious universe? I'd watch it. I'm. I wonder he he'd have to be. He almost had to be comic belief a little bit like Roman, right? Oh, absolutely. But that yeah. that's the tie-in, right? Like Roman, we all know how Roman wants to be the best at everything, right? And Roman likes to talk that he's the smoothest this, the best driver, all of the above, right? So he would never, of course, want to speak about his cousin, who actually may be better <laughs> than him at all of those things, right? I think that could right. be a, a fun role for Will Smith. Or maybe just maybe an older brother even, not a, not a cousin, but an older brother. Well, I don't. I don't know that I want to make Will Smith much older than Tyrese. We can just have them play this. I don't want. To, I don't want to age up my guy, Will Smith. Evan, what do you think about that? I I like it. I would absolutely watch it. I was just. I was thinking though. You know, you could do especially if it's Samuel L. Jackson, and then you go and the in the car. Now I know they're generally leaning toward Chrysler's, but what if you had some some uh, Ford, uh, you know, some Cobras, and then you would have snakes on a plane with Samuel L. Go. Jackson, right? There I'm just. Go. I'm just. You know, you got to call these things all back, but I, I do. I, you know, I want to go, I want to even go old school. Like, could we, could we find, going back Bruce Willis, could you get, could you get Sly Stallone in one of these somehow? Okay. Could you get Arnold? Could you go just full on, I already said Expendables, could you kind of call back that way and just go like crazy old school action? I and dig then, it. And then do you, like, so I really like the John McClane. It's not just Bruce Willis. It's that specific character, John McClane. I like that. And I could like, I could dig on the Samuel L. Jackson being the character he was from Snakes on a Plane into this movie. And there's already a precedent for characters from other movies to make it into the Fast Universe. And I'll bring it back again to Han. He, his, that character, Han Solo, was originally in Better Luck Tomorrow. And that character then made the jump over to the Fast franchise. Yeah, because Justin Lin, who did yep. the, the the third one, that was one of his first movies, and, and he worked with him then and said, "Yeah, let's just put him in these movies." Yeah, and he How- he he already said, "Yes, this Han Solo is the same character from Better Luck Tomorrow." Nice. Well, there you have it. We can do that. So if we're doing that, I'd like to close it with this thought as well, because this just popped into my head the other day. So. Fast and Furious likes to take his place back to L.A. every once in a while, right? The Toretto house. I was recently re-watching Superbad. What if the next time they're back in the L.A. area, Slater and Michaels, Bill Hader and Seth Rogen, the cops from Superbad, are actually somehow called to the Toretto scene? How incredible would that be? <laughs> I would just like to see McLovin. Absolutely. He's got to be in the back of the cop car. But, I mean, just – do you remember the hijink, the hijinks of Slater and Michaels in that oh, movie? Yeah. Like, you want to you want to talk about spinoff franchises. Give me the Slater and Michaels movie right now. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, that would be fantastic. There you go. They're, we know they're not going to do any of those things. But, Mr. Altman, I want to thank you so much for coming on and chopping we, before, up. Before we go, we got to find out what Evan's uh, favorite car was from the franchise. Oh, that's right. It is essentially a car franchise. Yeah, you know, I, I suppose that is uh, that is possible. I was gonna say my my favorite uh, because I can't really. I mean, I, I love the American muscle that that Dom shows off. I prefer that a great deal to uh, to the the smaller like you know like. And actually, that's funny that I put one as my favorite because that's largely uh, a lot of those builds. But um, I'm I'm going with it kind of off the board pick Dom's cousins. I think it's a forty-seven or a fifty-six, a fifty-six Ford Fairlane, I believe, when yeah. he's in Havana, yeah. and he's got to like blow the thing up and race it backwards to beat the dude. You yeah, know, and, then he, and then he gives the guy, then the guy's like, "Cried." He gives him the keys to his car. I just thought that was like speaking of things that are a fun sequence and also highly improbable. Yeah. <laughs> just, he's racing this beater against like the fastest car in Cuba, and he beats him. I I, I just like that one because it does kind of harken back to the whole idea of those Cuban cars because they didn't get anything manufactured. These people have all been having to like piece their cars together for decades. Yeah. And so that, that was kind of cool because it tied in the history of Cuba 
and Havana in particular, uh, among other things. So I, I love that that scene in that car. Well, listen, here's one of the – that's actually some place we could hit on real quick too as we're heading out here. Shout out to The Fast and the Furious for being just a completely diverse movie. I mean, race is just absolutely not a thing in the Fast and Furious universe. We just have all races, creeds, colors, sexes all just playing in the same field, and they're all just as good as the next one. So shout out to The Fast and the Furious for that. I bet that's something that nobody ever thinks about when they talk about these movies, huh? Well, I mean, being inclusive, you know, Hollywood's been trying to do that and, and almost to uh... – a. I think at some points almost heavy handedly, but, but this is like, again, the, the idea of family not having anything necessarily to do with what you were born into. Um, but, but it's, you know, Dom's got these welcoming arms to just about anybody and everybody. Uh, it doesn't matter what country or anything else. It's, it's great. We can't forget though, either that this is fast and furious and there is not another franchise out there that has done more to promote underbutt on girls than any other franchise in history. <laughs> they've moved away from that a little bit more as they've gotten into that. Like, there's not as much of that in nine. They literally have to flash back to give it to you in nine. Right? As an excuse for being able to, yeah. there, to but there's, there's always a scene where like, like dozens and dozens of people are unnecessarily just like dancing around car. Like when they go to that really nice house or whatever, and they're just like, "Why are the cars all parked?" that odd way just out in this driveway and why is everybody just out there dancing along the cars but hey it's a reason to do some upskirt shots as they're following the people walking toward the front door and god bless ludicrous speaking of scenes that are in all of these movies god bless ludicrous for basically just being the exposition king anytime he's sitting in front of a screen in some sort of like dusty garage space like he's basically just tying together the loose ends of plots in all of these movies so shout out to ludicrous do you think Ja Rule feels bad that he got left behind in the yeah. whole thing? That he just you had the one does. scene, Monica, or whatever it was. And Ja Rule's playing state fairs across the country, and he can be involved <laughs> in the Fast Pit franchise. He's trying to plan the next fire festival. That's true. <laughs> that didn't work out so well for him either, did it? But listen, this podcast didn't work out so well for Jeff Van Vactor. I'll be interested to see what our super producer, Mr. Jim Riska, can do with this audio. If nothing else, you may hear me and Mr. Altman and Mr. King throw to Mr. Van Vactor every once in a while and then not hear Mr. Van Vactor. But I think the three of us did a good enough job that this pod will be able to come together. I think it was a a fitting celebration of the Fast and the Furious universe. 20 years, 10 movies. It was a fun ride. Mr. Altman, thank you so much for joining me tonight, and we will have you back on anytime, my friend. You are a Hall of Famer, and you can chop it up about just about anything, and you proved it once again. I appreciate you having me on. Anytime I get to, to talk about the Fast and the Furious is a, is a chance I will take. And I know that you, uh, you're you doing a little more Bears coverage, so uh, we are going to start ramping up on football here on the Morgan Eno, so uh, we may uh, we may have you on for uh, for a little bit of Bears talk here sometime in the near future. That sounds good. I just hope that uh, at that point we can talk about Justin Fields. There we we'll go. See. That is good. Mr. King, I'll go to you and, and say the similar. I think uh, we had uh, we had big SummerSlam talk uh, last week. Uh, this pod is going to run after a big SummerSlam week from Mr. Jam Riska and I. And then the following week after this pod, we're just going to dive headfirst into football. We'll do even some college football to satiate you. What do you think of that, Mr. King? Let's get ready for some football. All right, then. So uh, this has been the Morgan Eno podcast. Mrs. Morgan Eno has been on assignment this week, but she will be back very soon. But you can always check out her blog, My Ambitions as a Writer. That's available for you at themorganyouknow.com. Keep checking this feed out right here. Like, subscribe, comment, tell your friends. That's all we ask you to do. It's free after all. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, that's the Morgan Eno. And Mr. King, final word goes to you. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Goodbye, Internet.